Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Today we're finishing up our work in our Back to Basics program. We cover the first four chapters of the Science of Mind textbook. And yes, last week I managed to get three in one. So we are just doing one chapter this week. Uh, It's called How to Use It. And the it, of course, is God. How can we use principles and the very force of God itself in our lives for better outcomes? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think the best place to start actually is doing some of it. But let me introduce this idea with a brief quote from Ernest Holmes. He says, one of the great difficulties in this new world order of thought is that we're likely to indulge in too much theory and not enough practice. As a matter of fact, we can only know as much as we can prove to ourselves by demonstration. That's which we cannot prove may or may not be true, but that which we can prove, at least to ourselves, is personal truth. And what I love about Ernest Holmes is he really invites us, if you will, to examine this whole philosophy to see if it works for us, not just to take a, a Reverend Larry's word for it, not just to, to go with it, but, but actually to understand it, to put some of these principles at work and see what happens. So let's get started. Remember I assigned you homework last week and that there would be a pop quiz today? <laughs> so... Close your eyes. And for those of you who didn't do the homework, it'll be okay because the pop quiz you're going to pass anyway. You'll, you'll see in a sec. So if you're willing, just close your eyes for a moment. And if you would, visualize your heart's desire. That was the homework I assigned people last week was to have a good idea coming here today. What would really make their heart sing? What different way of being or, or uh, different outcomes for themselves would really make their heart's desire? So that's what I'm asking you to visualize and sense right now. What would make your heart's desire come true? It might be a different job. It might be a, a different political climate. It might be a, a different way of, uh, of being, uh, being with your significant other It might be an improved relationship or better finances. Whatever it is that that in your heart of hearts would make all the difference, visualize you in that life right now. What does it feel like to have that new consciousness or to, uh, to, to feel that freedom or that connection or that love that you desire? I want you to put yourself into this this vision too, not just as an outsider looking in, but, but really how do I feel when I have that new way of being? How does that level of, of excellent love feel? How does that, that sense of accomplishment or success feel? Feel the feelings if you can. See yourself in this new life. Just notice in your mind's eye what's going, what's going on. Are you by yourself? Are you with a loved one? Anchor this sense of the new you 
the new world as best you can. Anchor it into your very heart and your very intentions. All right, well, I invite you to come back into my world now for a minute. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this idea in a little bit. So, so today is, the idea is um, how to use it. And in your program, and, and you don't need to get it out, but it's in there for your reference. I have listed about a dozen spiritual tools that you can actually use purposefully towards achieving this new vision or this new goal for you. And they, they cover the gambit of everything from affirmations down to, to visualization. Not quite A to Z, but A to V anyway. And, uh, and, and we did just one. We did visualization. And on here I say, picturing what we want can be the first step in being able to actually accept it being able to actually see us in it. So visualization is one of the techniques, one of the tools we can use um, for getting a leg up, a step forward in this process of seizing, of, of really uh, vitalizing our heart's desire. But I want to spend a few moments today talking about some things that get in the way of it. And this list, if you look through the list, you'll go, well, this is interesting, but you know, I'm kind of familiar with all these things. It's not like, Larry, this was a big revelation that I can do prayer around what it is I want to achieve in life. It isn't a, um, you know, a staggering leap to understand that I could maybe contemplate um, what I want to have and that that might help bring it for me. In fact, uh, I'm really listing these things because we already do all of them. The trouble is, we don't do them consciously and purposefully. Like, do you know what the, the form of prayer that we do all the time that's so very effective? Worry. Worry is one of the most powerful forms of prayer on the planet. And a lot of us spend some time worrying, worrying about the economy, worrying about our jobs, worrying about our loved ones, worrying about the state of our health. A lot of us are sending out an amazing amount, if you will, of negative energy, of fear, of questioning out into the world just as though we were saying a prayer. And as we know in the science of mind, it's returned to us in the way that we put it out. So when we put out negative energy around our health, if we put out negative energy around uh, the, uh, our loved ones, I'm afraid what will happen is the opposite of what we want to happen. We want to get closer. We want to experience more love. We want to have greater abundance. And when we worry about our finances, when we worry about our marriage, when we worry about anything, we're actually sending out a negative, almost like a shroud or a collection, trying to gather in more negativity. And I know we don't do it on purpose. I know that it's just kind of running rampant in our heads sometimes, but I'm here to tell you, when that happens, we need to stop it. We don't want that kind of negative prayer going on. And, and I tell you, you know, I don't usually recommend people uh, to do uh, diversionary tactics, but if you are worrying about something, I would rather you were watching something weird on TV instead. <laughs> 
right? We don't need another negative prayer. Call a friend, you know? Play Parcheesi. (laughs) Something to get you out of some kind of a negative habit, even if it's it's something somewhat trivial. Better to be doing something trivial than to be engaged in negatively using these tools. Another one that I've seen a lot of negative use of tools lately is around the form of affirmation. What we what we teach here is that you can, through the power of claiming what you want, like an affirmation, you can take steps around achieving that goal. And I got to tell you, I'm hearing an amazing plethora, and I do know what that word means, of negative affirmations lately. Government is terrible, right? Our elected officials don't know what they're doing. Congress is tied up and can never make a good... These are all affirmations. And do you know when we make affirmations like that, what we should expect? We should expect more of the same. We are setting up the expectations of government being... uh, Difficult. We're setting up the expectations of, of rights being taken away. We're setting up the expectations of bad things happening. And when we do that, and especially when we put some energy in it, which I've seen a lot of energy behind some of these negative affirmations, we can expect it to be just that more charged when it comes back at us. Now, some of you are saying, okay, well, these are all great spiritual uh, tools. I'm really happy you're telling me how this works, but are you suggesting that in some kind of um, sweet, demure, little Larry way that when all hell is breaking loose, I just sit on, you know, with my legs folded on a little pallet and, and you know... Um, Life is good. Everything is in hand. Actually, I am. But, 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 but give me, but give me a minute, because there's more to it than just that. Yes, I do think we need to take the spiritual high road. I absolutely think we need to make affirmations that government is doing a good job, even if it, even if at first we don't believe it. We need to have a vision of our country working together in unity and in power to bring about the things that we all want. It's not that anyone on the planet wants people to suffer and die. It isn't about that. It's about opening our hearts to see this can be done. That the the universe, and in particular the United States of America, can come together in a way that promotes unity and harmony and love and that we can see to the needs of everyone. We, We can see that everyone is is well fed and has a wonderful career and a way of personally expressing themselves in the world that highlights freedom and diversity and, and goodness and joy. We can actually do that if that's what we focus on. What I'm seeing is we're focusing on the wrong stuff. We need to focus on what we stand for and not what is pissing us off. Right? Okay, so the way we do that is a fair amount of these spiritual tools, knowing the spiritual truth of peace, of diversity, of unity, of, of that ability to get along and, and, and be here in, in love and truth for people. We do need to put that into our spiritual practice. We do need to sit on our, in our, our pillow and ohm out a little bit around that. And at the same time, out in the world, you need to stand for something. If 
you believe in women's reproductive rights, you should be out marching. But you're marching for something. Do you see the difference? I was so proud of my women uh, friend who were marching downtown this last week, right? Thank you, thank you. I suspected it would be a few of you, yes, thank you. And what I loved about that, so contrast that a little bit around the march that happened the night before that ended in a few arrests and some violence. Did you, did you notice though, the difference was the women's march, they were, st- you were standing for things. The things that were important for you were on the banners and the sl- right? It was a march for things that were important, not a march against things that seem unpleasant. There's all the difference there. One invites participation. One invites change. One of them invites us seeing what we want to have in the other wor- in the world. The other one says, this is what I don't want. This is what is horrible. This is what I'm running from and afraid of. And that tends to promote violence and fear and ignorance. Now, I, I know as a church, I, I'm not supposed to be doing a big political thing here. And honestly, I could say those same things regardless of what side of any issue you might want to bring up to me, right? Because I'm not saying that we should be a certain thing. What I am saying is that when it is in your heart to stand for something, do some good work around that. Make sure that the vibe that's coming off of you isn't what you don't want, but rather what's important to you, what you stand for. And then begin even taking steps in the world along that. Oh my gosh, we need some help right now. We need people who are willing to donate some of their time and resources and money and the whole nine yards to some of these causes and some of these ways of being that are important to us. And so get out and be busy and do, but have it be, please have it be, oriented towards the things that are important to you, whether it's civil rights, whether it's um, um, uh, a welfare, whether it's a, a universal health care, the things that are important to you, stand for it. Because that's how we get through this. Now, not only that's how we get through this, this is how we thrive through this. See, that's the other thing that has bugged me a little bit, and I, I guess I'm a little on my hobby horse here on my soapbox, so, so pardon me if this is too much, uh, but the other thing that I'm kind of noticing is we're portraying it as though we're entering into the dark ages. I think that in times of great change, there is the opportunity for entering into the golden ages. Do you see the, the same kinds of upheaval in the world that, that did produce the, the Enlightenment or the, the Golden Ages after the Dark Ages. The same level of upheaval and change was there. And the people got to choose. Is this going to be the Golden Age or is this going to be the Dark Age, right? The people literally by their attitudes and what they were claiming and their desires and their, their focus on beauty and truth and joy, that's what brought about some of those times of, of several hundred years of peace and love and prosperity. It wasn't that the world was that much different. It's that the people in it became different. 
they wanted and they claimed, they literally seized what it was that they wanted to experience. And that's what I want for you, for us. And I think it's possible. So how do we embark upon this? Well, I, I gave you that little list, and I would say there's two ways of approaching this, two general ways. One I think of as the, the dynamic creative force, and the other one I think of as kind of an evolutionary force. And let's talk about your homework coming up this week, because that can work a couple different ways with that too. So your homework this week is to begin positively standing for the things that are important to you in your spiritual life. Now the evolutionary way of doing that might be, well, I, I currently meditate for 15 minutes once a day. I'm gonna step that up. I'm gonna evolutionary, ramp that up a little bit and pay particular attention that when I meditate, maybe I'm gonna include a contemplation around peace or, or equality or something that's important to me. Now you see how that's kinda adding on to something that you already do, um, standing for something and moving forward in your spirituality. I think though, we can also take kind of a more dramatic creative stab at this too. Because some of us want things not to be just a little better, whether it's in our personal life, whether it's in the, the climate of the, the nation or, or people on the planet. Some of us want to see something kind of like, oh my God, right? I think you can take that on too, but to do that, you have to be willing for a fundamental change in yourselves. We can't be, the, um, we can't be on the sidelines hoping and wishing something's gonna be different. We need to be plunged into it as big as we can. Whatever we stand for, whatever we want in our personal lives, we need to be able to say, oh my gosh, I am going to be the most fabulous teacher on the planet. And I don't care that maybe I don't have a lot of experience in that. I don't care what has happened before, right? Or, or maybe I'm going to be the most loving husband that has ever existed. I maybe don't even know how to do that. Goodness knows, if you look around in the world, sometimes we're lacking of role models, right? But what I know is if I put my mind to something, even something radically out of my comfort zone, if I stand for it, if I begin looking for it, if I begin seeing it everywhere. Last week, remember, we talked about blue cars, what I'm talking about is setting yourself up to see more blue cars. So it was really a, kind of a, a childhood story. We were trapped for uh, two weeks on a road trip, and my mom, because I was really bored and really precocious, said, all right, whoever sees the most blue cars wins. And so we started watching for blue cars, and mom and I were pretty good at it. Sometimes she would see one before I would, and she'd get a point. And my father wasn't very good for, with it, but you know why? He was driving, right? He wasn't putting his full attention on it. Okay, you see where I'm going with this? If you wanna get good at claiming the life that is yours to lead, a powerful, beautiful, healthy, vigorous, prosperous life, you gotta keep your attention on it. And you know what? Even after the game was over, we only played it that one afternoon. We were still seeing blue cars 
all week because we had set our mind on it, right? We had set ourselves up like on a mission, like a game, and it was full of play. And so the blue cars didn't stop. And that's what is true for you as well. When you begin looking for the love in the world instead of the hate, when you begin looking for the, the opportunities in life instead of the constraints, when you begin noticing how truly people are friendly and loving, when you begin looking for and noticing really what an abundant universe we live in, pretty soon, like the blue cars, these experiences will be undeniable. This is back to Ernest Holmes saying, try this, please, try it. Get your feet wet. Claim something. Begin looking for that something. Stand for that something. Do it in a powerful way. Do it in a creative way. Do it in an exciting way. And it will be hard to not see the blue cars. It will be hard to think you're living in some kind of a universe that isn't delightful because you'll have all the evidence of it. And the more you're delighted with your life, the more you see the love and the possibilities, then other people see that as a reflection in you. That's how we lift up the whole planet. And we have to do it, each of us individually doing our part. Do you see how this works? It's, it's, uh, I mean, I know we think of our spiritual practice as something that we do for ourselves. And, and of course, we do it for ourselves. Um, I remember, though, uh, I worked for a very short period of time with a recycling center in, in Eugene, Oregon. And the guy who ran it was kind of an ex-hippie. Well, actually, back then, probably just a first-generation hippie, now that I think about it. That was a while ago. And, uh, and every day we would get to work, and he insisted that we meditated together. And oh, as a very young man uh, who was not used to doing that, I had a little problem with that. But I will tell you, we got along so well. I think doing spiritual practice every day on the job. I mean, working in a recycling plant, not so glamorous, right? And yet, after a short period of time, oh my gosh, the camaraderie and the, the sense of mission and, and uh, the beauty. Uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm saying recycling center. And we saw beauty in it. When you do spiritual practice and when you do group spiritual practice, the universe is uplifted. Okay, so back to your homework. There's the evolutionary method, one step in front of the other, up your existing spiritual practice a little bit, maybe meditate a little bit more, maybe be a little more intentional in your meditations. Like, today I'm going to meditate on the idea of diversity and inclusivity, inclusiveness and what I can do about it, right? So maybe you're gonna do a little more targeting around some of the things you already do, more intentional around what you stand for and what's important to you. Or maybe you wanna go for the revolution instead of the evolution. Maybe you wanna just claim something outrageous and really go for it. I think that's awesome too. And we will support you in that as well through our, our prayer requests and the other things that we do here. But either way, either way, your homework maybe beyond this week and into maybe the whole year, is what do you stand for? Claim it. 
back it up with spiritual practice. Be outstanding in it. And let us let go of resistance to life. Let us let go of the things that aren't working. We'll still work on them. We'll still write our congressmen. We'll still vote as we need to. We'll still do things in the world that, that help move us forward the way we want to go. But that's almost the afterthought. When we're clear about what we stand for, when we're standing in the power of truth as it, as it relates to love or, or joy or the many things that are important to us, that is the strength that we bring to this world. I'm going to close today with a, a final quote from Ernest Holmes. This is how he closes out the chapter on how to use this power. He says, a new light is coming into this world, and we are on the borderland of a truly new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is thin. The invisible passes into, our, into visibility through our faith in it. This new science, this new religion, this new philosophy are rapidly being developed in a personal way. And this is in line with the evolution of the great presence itself. Nothing can hinder its progress. It is useless as well as foolish to make any attempts to deny this principle or to hold it as a vested right of any religion or sect or order. The truth, the truth will win out and the spirit will make itself known. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one law, one joy, one peace. What I know about this thing, as Ernest Holmes has been calling it this month, this thing itself, is that it is everything. All of our heart's desire wrapped up in that amazing thing that I call God. And because it is everywhere, I know that means me. I know this isn't some distant creator on a cloud somewhere. No, this is an indwelling God, a God as close as my breath, as close as my own vision of, of joy and peace. And because I'm unified with that, I know that the creative process of God, that, that thing that created the Big Bang, that thing that brought everything into existence, that creative force is still working still working through my own mentality, still working as I set my heart's desire, as I claim something that's good and pure and true and joyous and beautiful, as I stand for something, God reacts to it. God resources it. God brings more evidence of it to me. And whether it's something trivial like a blue car or whether it's world peace, God will grant it if we stand for it. And so for this, I am grateful. I'm grateful to be here in the, in the power, the unlimited power of God, showing up as the people in this room every week and beyond. Grateful for God, of course, itself. Grateful for life. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Glad you're here today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. 
Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.